Happy Jack's RPG Podcast, a roundtable discussion that's a mix of friendship, humor, unbridled enthusiasm, and tabletop RPG topics sent in from around the world. Just for Hello, and welcome to Season 32, Episode 14 of the Happy Jack's RPG Podcast. My name is Kimmy. I'm Riley. <laughs> and I'm Adam. <laughs> And on today's episode, Dee from Wisconsin wants our input on different TTRPG games. Alvarez asks about clerics quitting their jobs. And Jolene shares a horror slash prank slash definitely not a success story, but not horrible story. So if you'd like to contribute a question or story to the show, you can email us at happyjacksrpg at gmail.com. That's happyjacksrpg at gmail.com. Please send us emails. Please, please send us emails. Okay. And more about clerics. Absolutely. Uh, yeah, always, always about clerics. Yes. I'm into clerics. <laughs> I love clerics. Me too. Yeah. Yay. Okay. Clerics are a class that I started playing like late into my, my gaming. Yeah. And I just like, I had a character. I was like, I'm gonna try this out. And I ended up loving yeah. it. Yeah. And now it's like my yeah. go-to class. Awesome. All right. Announcements. Gateway 2023 is happening at the Hilton LAX September 1st through 4th. We will be there. there. There's a booth and we're also running games and we're doing our live show on Saturday night. So this next week, the show will be on Saturday night. It will be a kerfuffle of live people talking drunkenly. Yeah, <laughs> not like normal. No, no, no. So if you'd like to join us, you can go to strategicon.net. And we have checked for those of you who like follow these things. The Hilton LAX is not on the strike list for hotels that are part of the local, um, ho- yeah, the local 11 hospitality workers strike that's happening right now. So you can come to the con and not feel guilty and not cross the yeah. picket line. Yeah. So don't cross picket lines. Support don't workers. do it. Support workers. All right. Our Indie Designer of the Month, Rob Iber, is still our amazing Indie Designer of the Month because a few more days in August. It's like yeah. the longest month. Yeah. Not because of Rob. Rob's amazing. Right. Yeah. But August <laughs> is just a hard month for all yeah. teachers everywhere. Yeah. You, can you find... have to pick a long month for Rob so that there's plenty of time plenty. to appreciate him. Oh, it's the longest month, too, if you get paid twice a month. Oh. Yeah. Like, yeah. Last, last week. <laughs> that that like it's, yeah. It's like weird because there's so many other days that are 31 days for some reason or something about the way yeah. August lines up. Yeah. yeah. Well, especially for teachers, because I haven't been paid since school. Oh. And it, 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 like I, I got mm. a paycheck at the like beginning of summer. Yeah. So yeah. I have to wait. So Great. August uh, 31st, I get my next paycheck. Yeah. Fair <laughs> Things yeah. are very thin. And you can find his games at nerdypapergames.itch.io. So we're still talking about Rob. Back yeah. to Rob. Yes, back to Rob. Back to Rob. Always back to Rob. And you can find it's him. It's a long month, Rob. Sorry. Yeah. <laughs> we love you, Rob. And you can find his games at Nerdy pa- Oh, and you can find him at Nerdy Paper Games on Blue Sky. Woo. So that's very exciting. So the game we're talking about this week is Have At You. It is a GM-less tool designed to spark thrilling one-on-one combat at your table with mechanics inspired by martial arts movies, 2D fighting games, and real-life fencing. All you need is a, is a partner and two standard decks of playing cards. You will win when your opponent runs out of cards or gets pushed out of the arena. And you can play that at, it's a name your own price at nerdypapergames.itch.io. There is like a little disclaimer on there. If you are a true fencer, it is made to recreate the feeling of a fencing fight. <laughs> it, it does not have all the 
very subtle nuances that I don't even know what they're talking about with actual <laughs> fencing rules and such things. Mm. But if you want a cool fight, like in Princess Bride, that yeah. it definitely does that kind of like combat yeah. word. Very exciting and energetic. Tell you, yeah. I am not left handed either. either. <laughs> <laughs> that, oh my gosh, so amazing. And this is a very cool game and a very cool mechanic that you can actually pick up and move into other things. If you're mm. doing something and you have a system that You'd love to have a, a duel, but there's not really a duel mm-hmm. rule set. This is something that you can really easily just grab and oh, pull cool. in. Yeah, it's very cool. Nice. Yeah, so it's very neat. And beautiful art, as always, because Rob is an artist yeah. on top of being a game designer, which is really unfair. Yeah. <laughs> like, really unfair. Yeah. Uh, all right. Pick one, Rob. Pick right? one, Rob. Right? Be handsome Boo. or drawing talented or designer talented. Right? You can't. Yeah. Or have a blue sky. All that. Yeah, I have a blue sky. Oh, Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, Rob. Or have a long month. Wow. Rob does have one sky. (laughs) He's not paper games on blue sky. Oh, damn it. Oh, okay. All right. I guess you get everything. I was going to say, Rob Rob gets everything. Rob gets the longest month. Right. It's to be super, what's the word? Like more swarthy. I don't know if that's true. uh, But uh, yeah. First blade of Bravos. I don't know what else. (laughs) That makes sense. All right. Mailbag number one. This is you. Okay. All right. I'll read this one. Okay. All right. Mailbag number one. Greetings to all the Jackers, including Kimmy, and any previous host you may or may not have buried under the foundation of the new studio. Don't know what you're talking about. No, um, it was easy to dig out. It was fine. Yeah, right? yeah. Uh, <laughs> it wasn't that dark at all. Yeah, right. He's still alive. He's fine. Spirit. Gamers have a wide variety of preferences between games, and I'm fascinated by the reasons for those preferences. Many of the games you play and discuss on the advice show are ones I love. There are also games Jackers repeatedly praise that I don't love. Please help me understand. What do you like about Savage Worlds? Please give your answers before reading or responding to my answer. Ooh. So, all right. What do you guys like about Savage Worlds? Certainly game. Yeah, I actually, I really like Savage Worlds. It's, the thing is, Savage Worlds was kind of like, a great new way to play. It's kind of like what PBTA kind of was and now like Forge in the Dark games kind of are for a while. It was the thing that was like, wow, this is really different than a lot of other systems out there. And it felt so refreshing and it felt so like rules light compared to a lot of the things that were out at the time. Yeah. Now it doesn't so much because the like the, the scene has changed so much. I really love, it was one of the first games that I played that like brought card mechanics into it. Mm-hmm. And I kind of loved that aspect of it, especially for certain settings. Like you're, you're playing like Wild West games. Yeah. It's yeah. just so cool to kind of have that that piece there. Yeah. For those who don't know, Savage Worlds uses a deck of cards for initiative. Mm-hmm. And that, yeah. My, what I'll say about Savage Worlds is say a nice thing about, I don't like Savage Worlds. <laughs> I haven't had a lot of fun playing it. But what I, I will say that I like about it is I am a fan of any system that is designed in a way that allows you to open up your creativity about the setting and things like that because Mm -hmm. a lot of games and this isn't necessarily a a fault of the game but a lot of games are designed for a specific setting in mind and when you try to play outside of the genre that game is designed for you have to do a lot of heavy lifting to try to like shove that square peg into that round hole right whereas i do feel like i feel like savage worlds is actually more the various holes and you can bring whatever peg you want into it. Yeah. And I do think that it's malleable in that way. But like you said, I think I prefer a PBTA or a Force in the Dark mod instead of Savage Worlds personally mm-hmm. for me for those kinds of things. But again, those games all came later and I've mm-hmm. gotten used to playing them and it's yeah. like 
it's a lot easier to pick up two d6s than this to pick up a deck of cards and a series of other dice. That, right, yeah. 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 See, that's uh, one of the things I, I really like that it uses all the dice. I think because I love Power of the Apocalypse and stuff, but there's like, I have so many pretty I dice. Know. Yeah. And I, I, there's so yeah. many games I don't play any that don't use, like most of them don't get used anymore. Yeah, yeah. The yeah. polyhedral set is, it's foundational and we all love it. Mm-hmm. And and it's it's, we don't, know how to explain it we just love it mm-hmm. and it's all the different dice and and you want to play with them and, and savage worlds let you do that so yeah. so i went through a big savage worlds phase and like you were saying for me it kind of really opened up gaming after my foundational experiences of D and world of darkness and it felt like this very free, flexible thing yeah. that didn't require a huge amount of investment yeah. to get into. Like, I mean, like the this entire Savage Worlds book was the size of like, it's so thin, a, it's yeah, it's so thin, and it's like ha, like it's like two chapters out of a World of Darkness book, and mm-hmm. it actually has all the rules in place. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so. I always joke about World of Darkness. You have to like, it, like the rules are all there. You just have to read through four pages of text to find out that it's not in the section yeah. that is talking about <laughs> the thing you're looking for the rule for. Oh yeah. my gosh. Um, yeah. So, yeah. <laughs> right. Yeah. yeah. So my first experience with Savage Worlds was the Necessary Evil setting, mm-hmm. which is where aliens basically trick Earth into thinking that they're there as friends and then they end up killing all the superheroes mm-hmm. and so basically the setup is the a sort of dr doom like character is like well i'm not going to let aliens take over the world i have to do that <laughs> yeah and so he basically starts gathering up super villains to become heroes and fight the alien invasion yeah okay. it's a super cool story and it works great in savage worlds because savage worlds is it's a very swingy thing right yeah. it's like you either have complete failure or you have massive overblown success and that's part of the fun of it so but you don't do savage worlds when you want to do really subtle characters or really complicated nuanced scenes like that's just not what it does and so yeah i think if you're not used to it I think that it feels crunchier than it probably is. Yeah. Like when I was learning to play it, I played it on here for a little bit and I also played it for a game that Dom was doing on the now defunct uh, saving throw. Yeah. Mm-hmm. But I did the Pathfinder Savage World as like a demo and I felt like I was being taught to play the Cones of Dunshire the entire time. <laughs> like every time I wanted to do anything, I felt like I was like, Yo, not, that's not, no, that's not how that works. This time you roll these two dice, but next time you roll these dice. But if this roll this, this, then you do this thing. Yeah. But then if it's a Tuesday, you do this. <laughs> and I was just like, I like, I thought that D and D was crunchy, and maybe maybe it seems more crunchy when you know both systems inside and out. Yeah. But for me, I was like, I can't believe this is supposed to be like the easier system out of the two because I oh. felt so long. And then like, oh yeah, I hit that guy, so I rolled damage. No, first you see if he soaks the damage, and yeah. like what, well, like. And I mean, I remember soaking rules when I played World Darkness. Yeah. So I yeah. should know about soaking rules, but for some reason when I was playing it in Savage right. World, it felt so much more frustrating. <laughs> yeah. I was like, when I hit him, oh, what yeah. do I do? <laughs> yeah. It is yeah. like, I think it might be my favorite, like, setting, sit, agno- agnostic. It might be my favorite, like, setting and, like, tone agnostic game, like, just yeah. total generic, like, yeah. rule system, because you really can play anything in it. Yeah. I played Wild West games. I played superhero games. We played mm-hmm. freaking Rifts, which is just wild madness, yeah. like yeah. of the the craziest degree. And it does fantasy, like it does right. all these things, which is really cool. Underneath the rule set, it is like a lot of games out there. Like there's bits I like about the Genesis system. Mm-hmm. There's things I like about Cortex and things like that too. But a lot of it 
relies on the GM that you get to. Yeah. Because it is, it's kind of, it is a yeah. tool set more than like a PBTA game has things in it to drive story. Yes. And Savage Worlds as it is, I mean, there are some specific books that are different a little bit in a couple yeah. ways, but but for the most part, it's literally just a tool set. So you have to, so the GM has to, and the group has to do a little bit more heavy lifting yeah. to get the kind of narrative like ping pong ball, right? Which is almost bouncing, the, really. Yeah, sorry. No, it's good. Which is almost the opposite of PBTA, which is that basically the narrative is almost built into the game itself. Right. And when you have, if you have one type of PBTA game, it's very hard to do something different with than what's intended yeah. by those sets that it comes with. Like mm-hmm. every PBTA offshoot is almost designed to fit one very specific genre. Exactly. Right. It yeah. has to yeah. be. Yeah, yeah, exactly. That's the yeah. whole point. And there's something to be said about a system that you can grab off the shelf and play like any kind of setting you want versus like as much as I love PBTA having to go track down the PBTA hack that is specific for the thing because the moves right. all have to have to do with yeah. you know whatever it is yeah exactly. so you can't yeah. just like kind of build a character You're like okay well I'm gonna do this and then yeah. put it together you're like no I have to go track down the Star Wars hack right. or the <laughs> this hack so that you can have those characters that fit yeah. in the tropes of that yeah. genre or whatever yeah. it is. Where if you want to play Savage Worlds or if you're playing Savage Worlds, mm-hmm. you can just, like if you know how to play fantasy, a fantasy game in Savage Worlds, you can just reskin things and play a Star Wars game in Savage Worlds and it it's it's all right there. It's an easy transition. Yeah. But yeah. I think it's best as a transition game for people who want to get out of D&D rut and, uh, but don't know, but everything else seems so foreign and so different. So I feel like Savage Worlds is a good way to get D&D stuck players to realize there are other options out there and, and they're not scary. You can have fun with them. Yeah. So. And I, I mean, I still like get the itch for Savage Worlds every once in a while. Yeah. I mean, I still get the itch for D&D every once in a while. Every like three right. years, I'm like, I'm going to play D&D. And then I'm like in it for a few weeks and I'm like, why am I playing D&D? <laughs> what am I doing with that life right now? Uh, as I think Savage Worlds made me go, boy, I really like Fifth Edition. Yeah, because I, <laughs> like, I, I, around the time I was playing Savage Worlds, I also did, we did for the season premiere of Game of Rassilon. Mm-hmm. So Cubicle 7, who publishes the Game of Rassilon book, uh, the, the Doctor Who role-playing game books, yeah. oh. they also published a book called Doctors and Daleks, which was their 5e version of yeah. the same game. Oh, okay. And Best title ever. Yeah. yeah. Right? And yeah. It was, it's still d d It's amazing. <laughs> it's great. Uh, but yeah, it used the SRD, but it changed all the stuff into Doctor Who-y things and hmm. like, quips and stuff like that. Yeah. And I probably have to stop saying the name of a struck property I think I'm okay up to this point because I'm talking about it in regards to another topic, but I should be careful. (laughs) But the problem with that book even, and I liked the book a lot, was that it assumed, I didn't, I thought about this when about the vampire thing. uh The 5e version of that game assumes you have the SRD and doesn't assume, doesn't put the rules in the the book. And I didn't know that until I had a player who kept being confused trying to make a character and I couldn't figure out what her confusion was. And then I finally went to the section and I realized, oh, all the stuff about standard array and so it is not uh, in this book. You have no. to have the SRD. Yeah. But it also made me go, oh, I can yeah. see actually how malleable the SRD actually is to other games now. Yeah. And so yeah. now I'm like, well, I might be less yeah. of a convert to Savage Worlds now <laughs> because I can see how easily the system that I know inside and out can be done right. in yeah. other yeah. genres. And, now. Yeah. And I mean, honestly, like when I first got into Savage Worlds, our option was 3.5 D&D. And that was, and it was like, Savage Worlds was a huge departure from that. Yeah. 5e is so much more interesting and streamlined and yeah. flexible. It's and so Savage Worlds isn't quite as as 
great a departure from 5e as it was from, from yeah. third 3.5. Yeah, it was a total trailblazer though. Yeah, yeah, like absolutely. It really, yeah. it really was like, like such a big jump and like really, I think, made a lot of people reflect on like games in general, yeah. game design. I think it really kind of launched people really trying really new things. Yeah, yeah, yeah. One okay. thing that turned me off about it, yeah. and I've been told this is not true in all the books, but everything I read had it this way, was that it always referred to the players with male pronouns, and that really turned me off oh. a lot when I was... And I've been yeah. told that other books don't have it that way, but I also yeah. was told there was a backlash against that, and they went back to using all male pronouns, which is that's the case, that oh. makes me not like it even oh, more. right, so, But I remember being really frustrated when I was learning how to play the game and like using... And I will say their online tool is really great for a free... So that's another mm-hmm. nice thing I'll say about it. Yeah. Their online utility it's, for how to like build a character yeah. is super useful and helpful yeah. for new players, mm-hmm. especially... Yeah. But even that would always use male pronouns, and it was yeah. really mm-hmm. off-putting to have myself referred to as he all the right. time. Yeah. 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 yeah, yeah, I can't remember all the details about that issue, but I remember that coming up, and I don't know if they've resolved that or not. But I, I will also echo the about their online tools. Pinnacle is really good at making a lot of stuff free on their yeah. website yeah. Uh, to extra things to help you play the game and like templates that you can print out and cut out and things like that, you know, for like blast radiuses and stuff. So they've they've got it. They do a lot of cool free stuff that's would like more games to do. Mm -hmm. Okay, so here's Steve's response. My main issue with Savage Worlds is that the combination of adding a wild die to all rolls, plus the likelihood of exploding dice, Uh. plus the inclusion of Benny's plus jokers combines to greatly de-emphasize the various characters skill levels. It feels like every encounter I experience in a Savage Worlds game, whether combat or non-combat, is decided entirely by chance. I want the character stats to matter. I want the nerdy character to be way better at nerdy stuff and the fighty character to consistently outperform her in combat. So, yeah, I totally get that. And yes, I think it is probably one of the biggest weaknesses of Savage Worlds is that swing. But it's, it's also like one of the things I love. Yeah, I think I would like yeah. it more if it wasn't such a hard time making a character. Like, there's so <laughs> many steps to making a character. And then it's uh, like, well, that was done. See you oh, later. <laughs> like, oh, yeah. oh, man. <laughs> See, I, I love the exploding die. Yeah, It's one of my yeah. favorite things. And I love Benny's. I think the idea of Benny's has been more elegantly done since then yes. in other games. Yeah, for sure. But I love, especially the first time I was like, I what? I get a thing for doing well in roleplay? Like, I think right? it was yeah. one of the first games that really... Mm-hmm. wanted you to do that and really yeah. want encourage that in the rules yeah. um, and exploding die are so fun yeah. Yeah. Are pretty fun. oh yeah. man like there's nothing like that moment when you're yeah. like playing and you're like oh it really matters and you throw yeah. down and it's like oh it exploded oh it did it yeah. again yeah and then like it's the like, entire table is like ah. yeah especially when it's a d4 and you're just yeah. like bam, yeah bam, bam. <laughs> do you think yeah. you do terrible and then it's like the best possible right yeah. 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 yeah that there's yeah i love that yeah so my take on on this comment is that it can also really depend on your GM. Hmm. If your GM knows how to turn these moments into exciting heroics yes. and flashy spectacle, then it, that feels much more rewarding and, and consistent than if they're just like, okay, yeah, you swing, you're done. Hmm. And good job, you killed them. You need that ta- the whole table to feel that excitement of yeah. like, yeah, this totally. was not supposed to happen. Holy shit, it happened. Yeah. And, yeah. and so, yeah, I think there is there is a lot of fun to be had there, but 
it's better when you have somebody who really knows how to use that to tell the story. Yeah, I love it totally. for specifically, I think the most fun I've ever had playing it, I played it a ton. Actually, it was one of the first games I ever jammed too. Mm. So, which is like fun and kind of an interesting experience as I was a, a new budding baby GM. But I think it really lends itself well to riffs. Oh, so uh-huh. riffs, if you don't know what it is, is a just a wild setting that is like actually was its own game and things like that. It's mm-hmm. like weird, post-apocalyptic, very complicated, like yeah. dimension hopping, right? Di- oh yeah, dimension yeah. hopping. So like we everything happens together. So you can be like there's like a weird alternate history. And when we played, Samantha was a dragon, like a legit <laughs> baby dragon from another dimension. And like I was a do. yeah, and right. I was a techno knight who had like a cool fire sword. And then like you can also just have a bazooka and like Phil was Philly. Oh no. Stu was a glitter boy is what they call him. With like, it was basically like these giant hulks of like Hulkbuster armor, basically. Uh-huh. Okay. And I was like, they call them glitter boys. And it's just like, <laughs> just very specific, detailed, amazing, incredible setting that is just off the rails to start. <laughs> and the old system board is just such a headache. So like Savage Worlds, I think, does a great job of pulling out these cool kind of gems and then putting it into the Savage World system so it's much more playable. Yeah. So playing that, I think Savage Worlds really lend itself well to that because it was it's such an extreme system. It's like if you're blowing things up with your giant Hulkbuster armor or like unleashing yourself as a baby dragon who's angry and like right. still can just murder the fuck of everything because uh-huh. you're giant still. Like it's baby, but big. Yeah. <laughs> Actually, no, she was a teen, an angsty teen dragon. Okay. Oh my God. Yeah. It's even more She terrifying. was just oh super God. annoyed all the time <laughs> and just, and like was constantly writing in her journal. We have like, <laughs> Art that's like for the studio, whatever I hang it of like this big red dragon, like hanging out, like writing in a journal. <laughs> it's amazing, <laughs> but it, it lends itself really well to that. And I think like superhero stuff and magic, I think, yeah. I think all that is stuff it, it does really well. Yeah, yeah, and yeah, it mixes things really well. Yeah, everything's kind of on the same playing field. Yeah, sure. yeah, yeah. Okay, so the next subject: oh, yeah. What do you like slash love about Legend of the Five Rings? Okay, this needs like some qualifiers because there's different versions of it. So there's the Fantasy Flight version, which I feel like if you've listened to this podcast for more than like 20 minutes, you've probably heard how much we dislike that particular version. With the caveat that we beta tested it and it was a hot mess with beta. Yeah. The kind of other edition that, that most people play is what we've played. We played a ton of different campaigns. I really like that system. There is a lot now that we're a little more informed. It's a pretty problematic system, like yeah. setting. Yeah. Because it is, it borrows very heavily from like actual people's cultures. And none of those people were involved in writing it at right. all. Right. Yeah. 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 Which is. That's kind of when I stopped my interest in it. Yeah. yeah. So that's why we, we haven't played it. And I don't know, probably yeah. ever we'll play it again. As far as the rule sets, it has a lot of neat things in it. I really love the duel mechanic. Yeah. Duels are deadly as fuck. Mm-hmm. Like if you step in a duel, you are, you may die. You may both die. It may die very, very quickly. Yeah. So it's like a big decision to, to do that. And I love games that have that real consequence that it feels like if you are doing something that is deadly and, and like it should have that edge to it. And like, it really has that tension involved with it. Yeah. And it does have, this amazing ability to go from like you can do full on huge 
like wars, like battles. Mm-hmm. There's actually like a battle set of rules. But it also transitions seamlessly to court politics where yeah. none of you have any fighting skills and you all just are courtiers doing yeah. a complete game of like politics in a winter <laughs> court where you all are just backstabby as fuck. Right, yeah. And like nobody actually hurts anybody, but like like lives are ruined and your clan yeah. is like shamed for all time just because you like, and there's not a lot of systems that can like encompass both of those right. things. yeah. So I feel like there's a lot of design gems that, I mean, I really would love to see the mechanics of that adopted by a group of people who are of that culture, yeah. rewriting it in a way that was, that yeah. it is not, not all about like honor, like in the like way that white people tend to like focus on. And I yeah. am owning it. And when I played it, like, I'm sure yeah, I, we, we did that too. Yeah, we learn. And, and that's something that, that a lot of us didn't know when we're first exploring it. and. And later realized, oh, this is problematic. And I compared a lot to Coyote and Crow, which is very explicit. And this is a native game in a native setting. And it is pan-native kind of like made it to, to be sort of generic about native cultures. But it's removed from real history. And it's written by natives as a gift yeah. to natives and non-natives alike. Yeah. And that's that's what Legend of the Five Rings should have been. Yeah. Is it should have been written with people from the various cultures that were being appropriated, mm-hmm. let's be honest about it, and had input in it and it had buy-in and should have been sought as like, hey, this sounds really cool. We have this great idea. We're not the people who should be writing it. Can we, let's find people who are of those cultures who can write it and give them ownership of the work. So, but that, I mean, but I mean, in a, in an industry, especially then, like 20, 25 years ago, I'm not sure exactly when the first L5R was published, but I mean, the concept of that, it was. Like that wasn't oh, yeah. a thing. Yeah, yeah. It, it wouldn't even have occurred to pe- even yeah. well-meaning people. I'm not making excuses. I'm just right. saying like, like it, we're looking on it with our lens now, like, yeah, yeah we can't, you know, yeah. it's exactly, unfortunate. Yeah. But yeah, I would love mm-hmm. a version of it because it also has, I love the magic system in it. Yeah. It's so cool. Yeah, it's really cool. And I think that's one of the reasons it's so popular still is because it was one of those first systems that really... And the way vampire totally di- di- yeah. like kind of went, this is, n- we are not European fantasy. Right. So it like really like scratched that itch. We're European people. gothic. Yeah. Uh-huh. yeah. Right. <laughs> but it like scratched that itch of people who wanted something different. Yeah. And it really was one of the first ones who was really something very, very different. It's not yeah. just kind of a right. different flavor of high fantasy yeah. in yeah. like something that we're familiar with. Yeah. And I will say they're, they're beautiful books. God, they're just gorgeous. Oh. Chat says it was originally published in 1995. 1995, okay, which was forever ago, and yeah. I hate that. But, Almost 30. <laughs> ah! Yeah. So, but but yeah, I the thing that got me into it, when you guys were starting to play the Fantasy Flight version mm. on stream, and I was like, well, this sounds really cool, and I know they hate it, but it sounds really awesome. I want to check it out. And I started reading the books, and and especially the adventure modules, are just fantastically written. And and so, like, I kind of got into them, reading them from the perspective of creating a module or creating a campaign. Mm-hmm. Like, oh, they have so many interesting things here and so many ways you could go. And 
they were actually just really riveting to just read through the campaign. Yeah. And so, so that, so, yeah, yeah, a lot of really great, again, like it should have been done by people of those cultures, yeah. but it is in very intricate world building too. Yeah. Yeah. Like there's each clan, like a lot of it's stereotypical and not super great looking and reading yeah. through it again. But like there's, it's very detailed. If yeah. you, you know, it's something like, there's so much detail in it. It's equal to like Star Wars yes, or something like that, where people have been adding to it and, and building on it for, since 1995, evidently. So <laughs> yeah. it's like, there's so much history and like family trees that you can do. And, and it's right. just, there's a lot of there there for people who love yeah. running systems where in, in worlds that are very detailed. Yeah. There also there are 20 questions, character generating system. Yeah. That's cool. really cool. Yeah, yeah. And I would love to see that into more. So much great mechanics that should be used for right. the Yeah, yeah. Use it and for honestly, yeah. to be fair, like you could very easily do like an avatar game, like uh-huh. with like the elemental power. Oh, yeah. Mm-hmm. Like, so, like I feel like like when I first watched Avatar, like the cartoon, I feel like like I kind of thought about it later. I was like, I wonder if they played Alpha yeah. Avatar. Because it's <laughs> right. I mean, I guess they're both like taken, stolen by white people from yeah. the original cultures. So like, that's very much a part of kind of those cultures, but it's just kind of a, a thing when people were like, oh, we need to make an avatar game. I was like, well, yeah. I mean, nice. you could take mechanics from L5R <laughs> right. and basically just do that like immediately. Yeah, like, yeah right. That's what it was. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Really, it was an you air any... I haven't played it. I haven't played it. Or, so haven't I, played it. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> I'm going to sit quietly and mess my voice for the Yeah, totally fine. Yeah. <laughs> I haven't played the next one either, actually. Oh, okay. I've been wanting to, but I haven't. Uh, yeah, yeah. So, okay. So Steve's response on Five Rings. The game system is fine, but every L5R group I've experienced plays out American stereotypes yeah. of overly formal Japanese nobles. Now we will have bowing and we will speak slowly and over enunciate every word <laughs> for honor. It's annoying at best, often cringy and occasionally offensive. Yeah. Have you experienced L5R without this effect? If so, how? Well, I would only say I, I did experience when it, without that when I briefly ran for a few sessions, a very small game with three very specific people and who understood how to not go into stereotypes mm-hmm. and and were really in it for exploring the world, exploring the characters and and having good RP together. And and so we didn't do that. But but ultimately I ran out of bandwidth. This it was something I tried during COVID. Oh um, yeah. And so and I was like, okay, I have eight games and some of them have to go and this is one of them. So, yeah. But I mean, we had the best time just creating characters and then I had so many ideas come from characters, but we only played like maybe two or three sessions of actual campaign. Mm-hmm. So, but yeah. Yeah. I feel like Dave yeah. did a really good job with his character in our campaigns of mm-hmm. not being that. Yeah. He yeah. was like very jovial and kind of like a drinker and like mm-hmm. he definitely pulled away from what a lot of people play that game as. I don't know if I'm, I'm not qualified to say whether our campaign was respectful or cringy. I'm yeah. sure I remember a few cringy moments for sure. Yeah. But we didn't do bad accents. Right. So yeah. that's like. Yeah. That's uh, step one right there. Don't yeah. do that. Yeah. yeah. So that was yeah. a step above some of the other actual plays I've started to listen yeah. to and then immediately turned <laughs> off about it. Yeah. So yeah. Yeah. I don't know. All right. So, okay. So the last one, I feel like you might want to just like, recycle this one and hold off until you have more people who have played Traveler here. So, because the next one is, what do you like, love about Traveler? Riley hasn't played it. I have only gone through character creation of Traveler a couple of times, but I haven't actually played 
played it either. So I feel like it's yeah. better just to finish the email altogether. Okay. Just yeah. like as a completionist, yeah. like having the email all in one place. Because okay. honestly, the chances of me finding the email again and pulling out this section <laughs> right. and remembering yeah. and remembering yeah. not to put the whole email in and like it's very complicated. Gotcha. Okay. All right. Yeah. Okay. All right. So what do you like, love about Traveler? I will give all that I can give, which is the character creation is fucking cool. It's so fucking it's cool. It's so much fun. Yeah. It's, it's, it, that's the my best. favorite yeah. thing about that system. Yeah. It's so good. And yeah. every edition I've played of it, like the character generation yeah. is so fucking cool. It's its own game. Yeah. Like it's like a mini game within the system. And honestly, there were days where we've been bored and we just did like, not, not for a long time, but back in the day when like a bunch of us didn't have kids and stuff. Like it was like, we just sit and we just do travelers characters yeah. and then we do them and then we do the next one and we just keep playing that because we didn't really want a game like we didn't want to do a full game <laughs> yeah and like we all just got to make characters it was really fun yeah yeah when joey and i visited bill and elspeth in london and that was one of our evenings was mm-hmm. we sat down and bill took us through star wars traveler character generation yeah and it was just like this is the best time so but yeah yeah. yeah 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 i never played it i yeah. i want to we're, we're talking yeah. about because we're doing so my unmentioned IP show that I just talked about, yes. <laughs> we're sunsetting that soon. And well, we're not recording at all right now because I'm on strike. Mm-hmm. But we are planning on ending it. We we're always planning on ending it after this season. And we are likely going to jump to our own creation IP, a game that we first started playing as a Patreon bonus mm. using Farflung, the yeah. PPCA game for oh, it. And now yeah. we're looking for like a more crunchy, like, more expansive system. It's also like space and adventures mm-hmm. and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. And so Traveler is one of the games that really kind of like crossed our, yeah. our path. We have we have Traveler we're leaning towards uh, Blades in the Dark, right? Or what's well, coming villainy, villainy. Um, mm-hmm. possibly. Yeah. But so Traveler, but when our GM read Traveler, he didn't think it was a game he wanted to run. So oh. we kind of put that on the It's very yeah. crunchy. Like yeah. there's a lot of yeah. there there. Yeah. And it's very much built to I mean you can run it in your own system very easily. But mm-hmm. and actually that's what what Stu did in all of our campaigns of it is mm-hmm. it was a lot of the basics of the campaign, but of like the campaign world. But like there's an expansive, and I mean thousands and thousands of planets, like mm-hmm. traveler maps online, oh, cool. like that are all canon. Like oh, there's a whole bunch of stuff. Yeah. It's really neat. If you're really into like tech and tech levels, yeah. that's a whole big aspect of it. That is not me generally. So I've, it's always like, okay, Jim, what? What tech level? What am I allowed to buy? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> right, okay. yeah. And then, but like, it's very much calibrated to be, I guess, as much of a kind of simulationist, like yeah. sci-fi, futuristic space travel game as you can have in something that's yeah. know, not real. But, yeah, I yeah. love the high, hard sci-fi edge to it, mm-hmm. you know, which is something that I don't see in a lot of games, even ones that are very explicitly sci-fi, don't really kind of focus on that same sort of long term travel like some of the a lot of the sci-fi i grew up reading yeah and so I, I think it it's always really intrigued me for that kind of stuff yeah so it seemed to me from my limited exposure that it actually would be really good at at using it to play a expanse mm-hmm. game yeah uh, so yeah it'd be amazing for that yeah one of the my favorite things about it is information only travels at the speed of ships. Mm-hmm. So, and that's so pivotal in so many campaigns you play in it. Yeah. So it's like, if something bad happens on the planet you're on and you like, get the fuck out of there, like you are the people who know this information. Oh, wow. I like so, that. Yeah, yeah. So it's not like, like Starfleet where you can radio out a message, like, like messages can be gone because it, it like, it's a 
massive, like from system to system, like it's huge. So like a ship can take, like basically they do like data drops where it's mm-hmm. like sort of like the Space Pony Express where you pull all this information, <laughs> you drop it at like the next waypoint and then it kind of goes out from there. Yeah. So something terrible can happen. And if you happen to know about it, you might be in a sector where nobody else has heard about it yet. Yeah. And things like that, which is very, very interesting because so much sci-fi now has like, oh, everybody knows about it instantly. Yeah. And it's very, yeah. it's the like sci-fi equivalent of setting your game like before there were cell phones. Mm-hmm. Oh, right. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah. So it's right. like, oh no, if you, you have to dial the phone and yeah. call, oh, they're not picking up. Oh. You need to leave an, a message yeah. on the answering machine. <laughs> right. Or you they have need an to, answering machine? Yeah. Wow. <laughs> fancy, right? Or whatever it is. And that's, that is like amazing. Yeah. So also I did tease Stu at one point, may he rest in peace. <laughs> Just kidding, Stu's fine. But I did tease Stu at one point saying that like, okay, like looking at the system, it's basically PBTA. <laughs> it's, you roll 2d6 and you add some numbers <laughs> to it and that tells you how good you did. It's PBTA. <laughs> he didn't take that well. No. Um, <laughs> anyway, so Steve's response, I hate everything about Traveler. <laughs> Starting with <laughs> its wildly random character generation leading to wildly unbalanced characters, its detailed tables of weapon versus armor comparison yet lack any rules whatsoever from any skills, and I could go on. The most fun I've ever had playing Traveler was when the GM customized or hand-waved rules to such an extent that it was unrecognizable. So the Jason... You were playing with Jason, okay. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Jason Uh, did a campaign where he started with Traveler and then got tired of it. Yeah. Like very in real time changed the... Yeah. And he kept saying like, we're playing a game with apologies to Traveler. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. But yeah, so all the things that we talked about loving about Traveler, Steve hates. Yeah. Which is totally okay. You are allowed 100%. to not like things that, that other people like. Yeah. We don't yuck your yum. Thank you for all the advice, games, and camaraderie. Steve from Wisconsin, Blue Luck on the Discord. P.S. I recently attended my first JackerCon. Thank you to the organizers and everyone I got to play with. A special howdy to Millie, Steak, and Rennie from Trevor Twain Dodge McCoy, a.k.a. Trevor T., a.k.a. T. if you're from the big city. And can't be bothered to spend any time saying a body's name proper like. <laughs> Beautiful. Thank, Thank you, you, Steve. Yeah, yeah. amazing. And yeah. I'm glad, so glad you enjoyed JackerCon. It was, yeah. it was so cool this year. It was amazing. Yeah. I can't wait. All right. Mailbag number two. Do you want to read this one or do you want me to read the last one? Or Go ahead and read this one because I just popped a lozenge in my mouth. Okay, no problem. <laughs> Hi, Jackers. Jackers. This was on the Discord channel a while back and I thought it'd be interesting to bring it to the show. I asked if there was a price a cleric had to pay if they left their religious order. Their soul? (laughs) (laughs) If the order invested resources in an individual, be it training, trust, knowledge, etc., and said individual left, the order may want some of that back. In the real world, some employers help with funding training or higher education for employees, but if said employees left within a certain number of years, they would have to pay back the employer. Likewise, military personnel can't just up and leave on a whim without it being a crime. So if a cleric switches faiths or decides to be independent of their order, should there be similar consequences? All right, let's do that, and then we'll do the second question. So I think this is a great question. Do yeah. you want to start? I mean, I do think this is a great question, but I also think it's a, it's 100% dependent on the order, yep. on the GM, on the storytelling you're setting up, because, yeah, there are some orders where they might be like, yeah, like, Especially if you're like 
an order that might deal with currency in some way mm-hmm. or yeah. like like deal with sacrifices that are made and sort of like monetary things and like now they're out of it. Yeah. Otherwise, you might have an order they won't. But also an element that I think is not even mentioned here is that many times in fantasy games, the god exists, right? Like the god <laughs> is not just like the idea of a god. Yeah. Like, yeah. It's not just yeah. like a faith. It right. is like an actual like being that has at least some level of ability to interact yeah. with the world. And so if you leave the order, like you are now an apostate, like you might be like <laughs> yeah. really in danger. And that, yeah. that can lead to a lot of yeah. really fun. Right. Like part of what I like playing clerics and part of why I fell in love with playing clerics is because I feel like the deity aspect of it gives you a built-in role-playing aspect yes. of it. And you get yeah. to choose your character relationship with your god. Yeah. The character that I played, my first cleric ever, hated her god. Uh, her <laughs> god was Umberly. <laughs> and I, I made her based on a... I don't know if this is struck or not, so I won't mention it, but there's a very popular franchise that has two shows on a certain network and had a prequel, <laughs> one is a prequel. And there was a couple islands that are iron and their god is drowned. And <laughs> there's a whole lot of stuff in there about like this angry god. And like in the books, which are not struck, in the books, there's a whole thing where there's a character called the Dampere who mm-hmm. the way he baptizes people is by basically drowning them and then they resuscitate. And that's when they become like baptized yep. into this faith. So I, my god was like, I based this character's god around the idea of like a seafaring culture in a rough and tumble, oh. like, mm. like, like Scandinavian type country mm-hmm. that sees the oceans as angry and vengeful yeah. and dangerous. And so everybody in this culture worshiped Umberly out of fear that Umberly was right. just, like, <laughs> like, we have to have somebody in our group who is a, who is a Umberly worshiper so that she won't sink all of our ships. And so yeah. you kind of like, forced into being a cleric of Umberly, so you could never really leave her. Yeah. <laughs> in oh, that's that game. Yeah. So that game, like, if my character left, she should never go in the ocean ever again. Right, yeah. 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 And I think that's, I think you're right. It's very dependent on, on who the god is, what the order is like. If it's, like, a very militaristic god, mm-hmm. like, if you're talking about, like, god of war or battle or, or righteousness or justice, something like that, it's very likely, yeah, there's going to be some serious consequences either from the order or from your God themselves if you leave, and especially if you switch faiths and leave. Yeah. Mm-hmm. But especially the faith is like a, like a right. rival God. Right. Yeah. Like, yeah. But, you know, well, it, and I think it's yeah. important to like, so, yeah. to like clarify it's like, it's switching service. Right. Like you still know they all exist. So yeah. there's a difference. It's not like, you stop believing in your God because you right. start, it's like, you know, your God exists and you know that God exists. Yeah. Because they're going to serve the other one now. So it's yeah. like, that's a yeah. big deal. Yeah. Yeah. Like, like in Greek yeah. mythology, right? can you yeah. imagine like if yeah. you were serving Apollo mm-hmm. and then you left to serve Athena, Apollo is oh, yeah. not going to be happy about no, that. No, no, exactly. And I, I think, first of all, there's a lot of fun gameplay to be had in that dilemma. But I also, the other thing I think of with this question is that there are absolutely some gods in some characters where no, it wouldn't be a big deal at all. Yeah. And and this is what I love about clerics is it is a personal relationship yeah. between the character and the deity. So the magic doesn't come from the order. The magic comes directly from the deity. Mm-hmm. And in most cases. So I think you can also have a lot of fun with I left my order. My deity actually loves me more now. Yeah. What does that mean about my order? Do I need to actually like start going back and knocking some heads together and doing some reform? Yeah. Or 
And so, so you can have a lot of really fascinating character development from having that personal relationship be the thing that sticks, mm-hmm. even though the relationship with the order has gone haywire. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. And you get into a lot of like, is the power from the, the deity itself or is yeah. the power fueled by your belief? So if oh, you end a, up yeah. rejecting the, the yeah. deity you believe in and worshiping their deity, do you have to find a way to like rekindle your belief system in order for your power to work again? That's a great question too. Yeah. yeah. And the fun thing about this, and this is why I like, I really like actual deities, especially in D&D and other fantasy settings. I think it's a lot of fun to play with. But one of the things I like about it is that there are so many options. Yeah. And there are so many ways to play that. Like you could absolutely have two clerics. One is powered because of their faith and the other one is powered because of their direct connection to the God. Yeah. And they can both coincide in the same world. And if you've got one of the petty vengeful ones, then yeah, you might be fucked. But <laughs> if you've got like the the love and happiness, follow your own path deity, like they're like, <laughs> yeah, go ahead. That's fine. You can worship like four or five gods. We're poly. Go, yeah. yeah, I love it. Yeah, putting the poly and poly polytheism. Yeah, I think it's interesting, like bringing it besides like the actual deities and the powers and stuff. Though, like I think it's fascinating to think of. Yeah, like there's a an order that you are part of who's like, hey, you are this poor little kid we took in off the street and have been feeding for the last twenty right. years. Like you can't just quit. Like right. you you swore you were going to be a paladin to our or whatever it is i guess it's cleric specifically but i feel like it's also would apply to paladins yeah yeah but like we taught you how to swing a sword we gave you all that armor give the armor back right you don't get to take that with you yeah like all your nice stuff no no give it back like especially in 5e when they let paladins be other alignments so Mm -hmm. you can have a lot more variety in what a paladin is yeah so so you can have a, I think you can have a lot more variety there. Well, in five, even has the Oathbreaker Paladin as a yeah, possibility of like, right? oh, I've actually broken my oath, and so it's actually going to change what my Paladin's yeah. like abilities are. Mm-hmm. Right. You, you want to follow that through. Yeah. I think it'd be really funny if, like, it just kind of leads to the next part of this question. But if they're like, yeah, there's a cost, yeah, and then like you hunt them down, you keep, you think, keep, think it's like a really big cost, and then it ends up being like twenty gold pieces, yeah, because you like that, that's like a lot of money to a commoner, yeah. but to adventurers, it's like petty change, right? Yeah. Yeah. Like we've been we've been hunting you down over mountains and valleys and hills <laughs> to pay back what what you owe us, what? what we've done for you. Well, how much is it? Thirty silver pieces, yeah. uh, more than you've ever seen in your lifetime. Yeah. He's like. Oh, here? You're 60. You know yeah. what? Here's the road yeah. for the trip back. Yeah, we're yeah. Yeah. Exactly. Oh That's hilarious. That would be an amazing story. <laughs> so funny. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> or, yeah, I mean, or you can make it like a long-term thing. Make it like a big amount. Yeah. That that becomes something that they have to be paying off. Oh, like, yeah. Like long-term in the campaign. Yeah. 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 It's yeah. like, okay, yeah. like you yeah. owe us this huge amount. We'll take it in installments. Right. Yeah. Because we're not unfair people. Yeah, you know, it's yeah, just like so. Yeah. Every time, like the party splits up the loot, they're just like, yeah, like almost all of it, yeah, is. <laughs> right, yeah. I feel like to me, clerics like garnish your paycheck, yeah. <laughs> right? Yeah, <laughs> clerics and paladins and just like warlocks are they're a golden gift to the GM, right? And like it's similar with like anytime there is a character class that has a built-in loyalty system. You can have so much fun as a GM playing with that and testing it and pushing it. And so I love to love when somebody 
as like a warlock patron or like a demonic patron or something like that. And it's like the best thing a GM can do is give them anything they ask for, whatever they want. Like, yeah, yeah of course you can have that. Like, yeah, yeah, mm-hmm. yeah you can reroll that again. Go ahead. No, <laughs> like, First, they're like, oh, that's awesome. And then they're like, wait, what did I just do? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Just roll yeah. dice behind the yeah. screen. Uh-huh. Don't yeah. say anything about it. Yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. I wish I'd get up because in Rat Queens, there's a section in the, the comics where Betty is kind of like supposed to like detoxing and there's like a fairy that follows her around and like knocks drinks out of her hand. <laughs> I like, imagine a fairy, like if you like had a, an angel, like an angelic being that was connected to your order whose name was Garnish, and their yeah. only job was to take your money whenever you need it. <laughs> Every time you're going to spend it on something nice, yeah. you're like, you're in line at like the Starbucks yeah. or whatever, right. like yeah. they, the D&D equivalent of yeah. it. Like, all right, I'm going to have a really great meat pie today. Yeah. Nope. Oh. Folding arms. I'm sorry, that is not, no, I'm, the, yeah. you yeah. shouldn't be frivolously spending it. Obviously, you don't need this money. I'm going yeah. to be taking it Thanks. for yeah. your loans. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> your student yeah. loans. You're almost into yeah. the interest at this point. Right, yeah. yeah. Student debt the campaign. Right. Oh, so. my God. Uh, no, I don't want to play a horror game. No. I am laughing at chat, being like, I signed that contract yeah. when I was a minor. You can't. You can't. Yeah. Look, you got baptized. I can't do anything yeah. about it. Yeah. So you're yeah. going wet. Yeah. I don't tell you. That's the it's rules. not me. Yeah. It's the yeah. big guys upstairs. Like, yeah. come on. Yeah. You made yeah. a promise. Yeah. Yeah. It's like, has anyone seen the Beetlejuice musical? Uh. Yeah. Um, their yes, way of getting yeah. around the like creepiness of the yeah. marriage. Like, yeah. It's just like a green card thing. It's not, I'm not actually going to marry her. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. It's very funny. <laughs> All right, second question. Yeah. Have any GMs ever trolled PCs? Like, <laughs> yes. Actually, End of conversation. Yes. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> like one of them finds a message tied to their horse that reads, I'm pregnant. Contact me. Okay, no. No, I have not. I did not want to know where you were going with this. Wait, the horse? <laughs> yeah. Wait. Yeah. Right. Uh, no, that's not supposed to be the horse. It's like yeah. someone left a message. Loki. Right. <laughs> right. All right. And, or in a modern setting, they get a text. I buried a body. Now what? When the players investigate, they discover it was just someone playing a prank on random people and the PC just got unlucky. Would it be bad form and a violation of trust on the GM or could it be a low no, or, or no stakes side story to break any tension of a larger story arc? Alavrance, oh. P.S. Bill Roper is also the name of the local filk album dealer here in Chicagoland sci-fi convention. Ah, that's cool. oh, that's funny. So... Well, okay, so I love the idea of trolling them. I don't love the idea of making it where it actually wasn't a thing. Like, not being the thing they expect, sure, but but making it where, like, oh, no, it was actually just some kid playing a prank and just randomly texting you. That, I think, leads to a situation where you're telling the players that hooks that you give them are not actually going to lead to interesting story developments. Yeah. And so... I would caution against that. Specifically, but, also, yeah. it makes people feel like they wasted their time. Yeah. Right. If yeah. they spend yeah. three of their, like, twice yeah. a month, four-hour session, like, chasing down this thing, yeah. they think there's a body, and then it's like, oh, it's just, I meant to text Phil from third period. I yeah. didn't know it was going to be you. Like, yeah. Right, yeah. You're like, what the fuck? Yeah, yeah. Like, yeah. Um, but, like, but the idea of, like, your friend texts you, I buried the body, now what? And you find out that somebody has been impersonating you and having your friend help them cover up murders mm-hmm. that they're doing on your behalf. Like, especially if you're like playing a vampire game mm-hmm. could be a lot of fun. Like, yeah, but I would make it something meaningful and real, not not trolling for trolling's sake, but 
but trolling to like make them all go, what the fuck is that all about? And having nobody really have any idea where this this hook is coming from. I think that's totally, that's totally cool. Yeah, or they like track down this kid and the kid's like, no, it was a joke. And they go check it out and there's really a body. He's like, no, I, I didn't actually bury a body. <laughs> right, yeah, yeah. I, yeah. I don't know, I thought, it, I was just kidding. I was kidding, yeah. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I, that's the caveat to me is I think that you can do this but I think, yeah, I think it has to lead to a payoff that maybe isn't what's expected by the prank, yeah. but it does still lead to a thing or something that they did while while trying to solve it does still set up the plot. So yeah. it's like a weird like Rube Goldberg machine of getting to it. Right. Or it better be really funny. Yeah. Like that's yeah, the only right. other thing. Like we did that one time in <laughs> a game where we had a DM in a D&D game who we were on a ship and it was our ship. So, like, mm -hmm. we knew most of the crew, but there was one person, like, a hired crew who kept looking at one of our characters. Mm -hmm. And so we got suspicious that this person was, like, trying to assassinate this character. Uh -huh. But then we ran with it the other way where we actually, like, it turned out this character just had a crush on this oh. character. And we uh, actually yeah. we actually did the opposite where we, like, yeah. we threw out everything our DM had planned <laughs> that day. And instead, we played a whole like hour of matchmaker yeah. weird writing. <laughs> right. But the fun thing was, there was an assassin on the ship. It just wasn't that woman. So the, we were spending yeah. so much time focusing on the side plot mm -hmm. that the DM was able to then still take a fun, exciting thing and surprise yeah. us with it. Yeah, like so it was that's, still paid yeah. off well. But we had a lot of laughs before then. Yeah. yeah. So yeah. Yeah, 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 that's super fun. Like, oh, this thing that you think is a big deal is not what you expected. Mm -hmm. Is totally cool, but. Having it be something that doesn't actually lead to real character development or plot development, that's when you get, you start to lose the trust of your players. Yeah. It's yeah. not like Skyrim, where if you go down like an alley and it ends up just being a bunch of kids with like hats, you're like, okay, that's a fun little gang. It's a fun little yeah. psych gag to yeah. see in a video game. Mm -hmm. If I turn around, I can, I can go steal something from a house right now. Like, it's <laughs> yeah. Fine. yeah. Like, if, yeah, like you're right. If you're, if you're only playing like so many hours a month and you get this thing and it feels wasted, it's going to be really frustrating. Yeah. 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 For sure. Yeah. Especially there's a cost element too. Yeah. Right. yeah. 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 And especially if they're taking time out of it, out of a bigger story. Right. Yeah. Like, if they have other things that like are with clocks ticking on them, they're trying to get to a certain place or whatever, yeah. it's like, oh, we're going to take time to, we're going to go fight the big vampire. Oh, but, oh, there's a body. Okay. We better look into this. Right. Oh, it's, it's a prank. Okay. Well, I'm glad that we spent time on that instead of trying yeah. killing the vampire who's actually murdering people. Like, yeah, like, it's just it's yeah. very icky and frustrating. Yeah. At least give yeah. him a toy at the end. Give him like yeah. a magic item. <laughs> right. Give him, oh, <laughs> right. oh, I I have this glowing rod, and you find yeah. out like it's a oh okay. Yeah. Well, that made it worth doing it. Right. Yeah. 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 Or even it could be something like you find out that the kid playing the prank is actually very important to the bad guy, or yeah. this kid actually like somehow ended up inheriting the book that will, that can end the reign of the evil person that you're fighting. Like if it leads you to something that could be pivotal on the story, then it, it makes it worth it. But just to yeah. be like, no, nah, it was just a prank. Yeah. That's yeah. I wouldn't do that. Yeah. Definitely. I mean, think about it like, like a season of a TV show. We all hate yeah. the filler episodes. Right. It's like, we all get invested in like, okay, this is the storyline that I care about. And then it's like, there's a, you didn't even talk about it this episode. What This is what everyone's been focusing on all this time. Yeah. <laughs> and we're not even going to mention it. Like, right? yeah, 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 we hate those episodes. Don't yeah. do that to your players. Yeah, please don't. Yes. Yeah, yeah. No. All right, mailbag number three. I don't know if this is a horror story, but it's definitely not a success story. But I was, I was thinking of what the pettiest, most harmless thing one has done in gaming, and here's the one I always remember. <laughs> Back in college, when I was running D and D, one friend would always talk about his character, and every time he described them, he, without a doubt, would say. 
They're tall, quite tall for an elf. So one time I put a trap in a dungeon and ended up shrinking his character five inches. <laughs> he was very upset about it, but thankfully the game didn't end. It was more like a fuck you, damn it. Now he's not the tallest of his village. <laughs> in the end, another GM had his character grow six inches, so it balanced out and we were all still laughing about it. <laughs> what about y'all? That's Jolene. Jolene. Okay. That's good trolling. Jolene, Jolene. That's, yes. yeah, that's, that's how you troll. <laughs> yeah, that's very fun and cute. Yeah. And like, I would yeah. I would have kept the person. I would have always... <laughs> I would have had people go, look at, did you lose, did you get the order? <laughs> right. Oh, oh man, I would have like invented like elven yeah. lifts. Uh, oh yeah. my gosh. <laughs> oh. <laughs> right, yeah, yeah. Those are weird, what's with your shoes? Yeah. Nothing, <laughs> they're new style. Yeah. yeah. I am the tallest in my village. Right, yeah, yeah, totally. Uh, like tall. lean, in, like yeah. lean uh, into it. Yeah, yeah. So that's good. great, yeah. I don't know that's... that I had one that was done to me that was fantastic yeah. and I loved it. So we were playing Dark Ages Vampire mm-hmm. I was a fringe Toreador because, of course, of I course was. You were. And my friend Chris was playing Zamichi, who was pretending to be a Ravenna. So we didn't know that he had the flesh crafting stuff. Oh, uh, okay. And I was always like sneering down on him and, and talking about how gross he was and, and how worthless and, and how smart and beautiful I was and all that. And we knew going into it that this is the relationship we were going to have. Like we were yeah. having fun with it. But like I, my character was an asshole to his character, who was also plenty of an asshole in his own right and yeah. totally deserved it. But yeah, yeah, it's vampire. Yeah. But we were on a ship. We were taking a boat from one place to another. And he snuck into my cabin and flesh crafted my mouth away. <gasps> oh, wow. <laughs> and so my character woke up and is just furious and is just like so pissed off and like because we didn't know that he could do this so so we'd have no idea who did it to me Mm -hmm. and nobody suspects him at all we all know at the table that he's the one who did it but in character it was like oh my god this is so funny yeah and what i ended up doing was i was like well i'm a vampire so i just like took a knife and just cut my mouth open so just like bleeding and, and i'm like I'm like, who did that to me? (laughs) It was just like, it was petty and stupid. And it was just like the best session. It was so much fun. Yeah, that would be mine. I don't know if I've ever been petty like that as a GM. I feel Mm -hmm. like I'm like, I don't know. I feel like my my mom vibes as a GM is too strong. I want everyone to play nice together. Yeah. 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 Yeah, no, I don't. I don't think I've ever done that as a GM. I've definitely been petty as fuck as a player. Sometimes there's like too many to count. I think but <laughs> like there's a lot. There's a lot. Of, I feel like vampires like rife with that. Oh stuff. yeah, yeah, absolutely. Oh, yeah, man. yeah, but yeah. Uh, yeah, especially if you're playing like uh, Sabat characters or non Camarilla character Camarilla characters, mm-hmm. uh, like oh, the pettiness is just it's just there. It's so much fun, and you yeah, it's a great time because like. What are you going to do? Kill them? You're not going to kill them. You, you don't have permission or yeah. whatever. No, you're going to make their life shitty because you can do that and you can fuck with them because you're a vampire and that's the only way you can get to them. Yeah. 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 <laughs> and that's like, yeah, that's that's the fun of playing a vampire. Vampire is a game full of finding petty ways through when somebody yeah. Else. Oh, yeah, like absolutely. Yeah. Very fun and very yeah. fun to do. I think this isn't quite this, but it's the closest I can think of to it is I played in a mage game, Mage the Ascension, <laughs> where, or sorry, the Mage the Awakening. Oh, yeah. That's the, the second set of them. Yeah. And this was, this was actually heartbreaking, but it was awesome. It was like, we were like 
our group was breaking away from the like organized Camarilla like groups. Mm-hmm. So we were like we were like sunsetting all the plots that were happening in the town. Mm-hmm. And my character had always been this like like reckless hero type, like a, a campus, so it was all fate and stuff like that. Yeah. And I, I would always like take on paradox to like save everybody else. And so oh, okay. I was like, and, the, and there was like this whole legend about my character that they were like supposed to have sacrificed themselves to save something. And so that was like this build up for it or whatever. And we got through this whole sequence and my, my storyteller put me through the most brutal thing of like my character was supposed to sacrifice mm-hmm. themselves and was going to do it. Nobody wanted them to do it, but like, no, I have to, this is my fate. This is my destiny. I'm a hero. I'm going to do this. And so my, my storyteller sat me down and had me role play this vision that my character had oh. that was like the rest of their life if they hadn't done it oh. and like how happy it would be and all the things that would be good. <laughs> the marriage they would have, the children they would raise. And, so, uh, and then I had to still choose to sacrifice uh, myself. And then I did it. And then after that, when I did it, my storyteller was, okay, so your character has died. And then she handed me a new sheet for the eldritch creature that had possessed my character's body when my character died and oh. took over and was oh, the creature no. that was going to destroy the city. So this whole time, if I had just chosen not to sacrifice myself, it wouldn't have happened. But because I chose to it, I became the sacrifice that brought the creature forth oh, and then she was like oh okay you're a, you're a story you're a system storyteller now have fun and so then i had to run around as my character being inhabited by this monster and just go fight everybody else in the game oh, and no. it was so fun oh. but it was coming off the heels of this heartbreaking yeah. gut-wrenching yeah. thing yeah. it was so yeah. beautiful but it was like the glee that she had <laughs> of being like you just walked your character up this ridiculous hero complex but yeah. like that you gave them you built it it was very true to the character yeah. but now yeah. they're the monster and it was yeah. so good oh my god so yeah. 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 yeah 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 it's so good yeah that's a beautiful moment and yeah and it, like you've got to it's got to have the payoff right yeah. it's if it felt frivolous or just cruel it wouldn't be the same yeah. right? but having that build up to realize like no, I made the choice that I made mm-hmm. and for the right reasons for my character. And the mm-hmm. fact that it resulted in something that actually is worse than if I had not done it, like that sucks. But man, what a yeah. what a good character art. Yeah, and it was just yeah. a cool thing because it was a thing that I had written in my backstory, this like sacrifice complex thing. Mm-hmm. And that was like a thing that my storyteller like took the little seed from my backstory yeah. and then fed it into her like yeah. ongoing yeah. city plot that was ongoing for years before I yeah. started playing in it. Oh, it was cool. so great. Yeah. Yeah. I think uh-huh. the it wasn't petty, but it was like freeing, I guess. My is also from a World of Darkness game. When we did our big long campaign, uh Mode of Sin, I was like the Ventru. Eventually I made Prince. And I was just like momming everybody. Like okay, yeah. like I had two gang girls who just like wouldn't stop arguing with each other. And like it's just <laughs> like the most stressful. Like it like suddenly was like, oh God, I've become the teacher in my game, how did this happen? <laughs> so eventually that character, spoilers, died. It's like 10 years ago yeah. now at this point. Yeah. So. Yeah. But yeah. so I rolled up another character that was a Sedite and I was just chaos personified. Like yeah. I was like, yeah. I will destroy fucking everybody. <laughs> Everything's fine. It was just yeah. like, like yeah. Kimmy's cathartic. Like I'm no longer yeah. in charge of all you bitches. Yeah. Like <laughs> let's like wreck shit. Oh yeah. Uh, oh, so that, yeah. Was, that was very nice. Yeah. And that was, there's a little bit of pettiness yeah. in there. Right. Yeah. I will, I will own the petty. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. I, I do have one more to share. Yeah. Uh, I'll try and keep it brief. But so I was in this long running campaign. So I was playing a pyromancer sorcerer from Kalamshan. So if, if people know Faerun, Kalamshan is sort of like sort of like 
Arabia kind of analog or anagram. Anyway. I think analog um, was right. Yeah. Yeah. yeah analog. analog. Yeah. yeah. And and so my friend Seth was playing this paladin from Cormier, who was a farm boy who wanted to be like a great purple dragon knight. And and so my character had a huge crush on his character, but also was like every time he would say something kind of bumpkin-y or do something kind of kind of dumb, as paladins are wont to do, I would say to the person who he did this in front of, I was like, he's from Cormier. And, <laughs> and so I would just do this all the time, like, like he's from Alabama. Yeah. So sorry. Happy apologies. You would like to apologize to anyone who's from Alabama. <laughs> Yeah, I don't apologize for a lot of things. Um, I apologize, you're in Alabama. No, sorry. <laughs> you're not but making it, it better. <laughs> I'm sorry, yeah. So anyway, I kept saying this all the time. And then, and like, this was like level one all the way up through like level nine or 10 or so that we had this ongoing gag of saying that. And then around level nine or 10, my character encountered a book that couldn't resist reading and bam, went mad. and and lost control of my character. Mm -hmm. So I made a new character who was a war mage. (laughs) And I didn't tell everybody where this new character was from. Ah. But he was very, like, noble, well-spoken, erudite, well-mannered, just pinnacle of of class. And, And so the first session... My friend Seth, like, did something bumbly stupid, as his paladin always did. And he looks at my character and he goes, I'm from Cormier, sorry. <laughs> and, I, <laughs> and I summon all of my French Toreador internal class and I go, I'm from Cormier. <laughs> <laughs> so great. So and he fucking lost it. Yeah. And it was just, it was an in-character pettiness, but so brought great. on by, yeah, it, it was... Ten left ten levels just to set that up, and it was wonderful. Yeah, love it. That's yeah. genius. Yeah. Right, so, yeah. yeah. Also, a so. couple of Oklahoma, <laughs> right? Yeah, Oklahoma bumpkins. Like I know. Yeah. Yeah, dragging Alabama. Not not yeah, so appropriate. Yeah. I, I should have chosen Mississippi. It's the one place worse than Oklahoma. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I mean, they have water. So right. I don't know. Right. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I guess Oklahoma does now. Yeah. But for a while, we were out of it. Right. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> a lot. Yeah. Anyway, Oklahoma, Alabama, Mississippi, you're all lovely, except when you're not. It's fine. Let's put it that way. The people who are enjoying Happy Jack's RPG that are from those places are probably very lovely They know. They know exactly. They know what we're talking about. They also have to deal with it firsthand so often. Uh We love you. We love you and we support you as you live in these places. Yes. (laughs) All right. There are places in California that are just as... Oh, yeah. Very true. Yeah. Love you, too. <laughs> All right. Thank you for joining us for the Happy Jacks RPG podcast, season 32, episode 15. Please support our amazing indie designer of the month, Rob Ebert, who is this is the last episode where we're talking about him. So go support his games. You can find his stuff at nerdypapergames.itch.io. Thank you to our chat mod, James V, and to our amazing patrons who keep us ad-free and independent. You can join their incredible ranks at happyjacks.org slash Patreon. Amazing. Thank you, everyone, who has changed and upped their pledges with our new design model. Apologies. I probably should have done that when it wasn't, like, taking effect the month school started. (laughs) I will catch up on that stuff. I promise I have it all planned out. It's amazing. It will happen. Uh, But, yeah, (laughs) I will update everything very soon. My name is Kimmy. My name is Riley. My name is Adam. 
And today we're going to leave you the song. It's called Battleship of Maine. It's by mm-hmm. Stu Venable singing. And it is from his Netbuskers Folk Shop conglomerate, because now Stork and another guy named Phil are also in on that podcast and oh. singing together and talking about stuff. So yeah, go check that out if you're interested. I think it's netbusker.net. So we will talk with you later and we'll see you next week. Bye. Strategicon. Bye. Strategicon. Bye. McKinley called for volunteers. Then I got my gun. First Spaniard I saw coming. I dropped my gun and run. It was all about that battleship of Maine. At war with that great nation, Spain. When I get back to Spain, I want to honor my name. It was all about that battleship of Maine. Why are you running? Are you afraid to die? The reason that I'm running is because I can't fly. It was all about that battleship of Maine. At war with the great nation Spain. When I get back to Spain, I want to honor my name. It was all about that battleship of Maine. The blood was a-running, and I was running too. I give my feet good exercise, had nothing else to do. It was all about that battleship of Maine. At war with the great nation Spain. When I get back to Spain, I want to honor my name. It was all about that battleship of Maine. War with the great nation Spain When I get back to Spain I want to honor my name It was all about that battleship of Maine When they were chasing me I fell down on my knees The first thing I cast my eyes upon Was a great big pot of peas It was all about that battleship of Maine At war with the great nation Spain when I get back to Spain, I want to honor my name. It was all about the battleship of Maine. The peas, they were greasy. The meat, it was fat. The boys was fighting Spaniards while I was fighting that. It was all about the battleship of Maine. At war with that great nation, Spain. When I get back to Spain, I want to honor my name. It was all about that battleship of Maine. At war with that great nation, Spain. When I get back to Spain, I want to honor my name. It was all about that battleship of Maine. This show is a product of the Happy Jacks RPG Network. The Mary Sues performed our intro music, and our ending song was played with the express permission of the artist. Visit happyjacks.org for more information and to find all our streams and podcasts.